If someone asked you to summarize the message of the whole Bible in 10 minutes, what would you say? Do you know how all the parts of the Old Testament and the New Testament fit into the overall message? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. I'm going to attempt to give you a summary of the message of the whole Bible in under 10 minutes. So, so buckle up. Here we go. I think you could summarize the message of the whole Bible with one word. Rainbow. Rainbow. And let me show you what I mean. In chapter 1 of the Bible, the very first page, God created everything and He created everything good. And it makes a big point. Each day of creation, he, God created this and... He looked at it and he said, it is good. And the next day, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And all the way through. And then the very last day, he steps back, looks at all of it. And in Genesis 1.31, God saw that all that he had made and behold, it was very good. So real big point. God made everything perfectly good. Was there anything bad? No, nothing bad. Only good. Is everything still good now? No, <laughs> definitely not. Lots of horrible, terrible things in the world now. So what happened? Well, Genesis 3 happened. Genesis 1 is about the creation. Genesis 2 is about marriage. Genesis 3 is about how mankind fell into sin. God had only given one command. Genesis 2.17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. But they ate from it. And God cursed the whole creation then. And death became a reality in the world for the human race. And not just death, but all the stuff that goes along with death, like disease and decay and sorrow and suffering and sadness and sickness and trouble and strife and all of that, all the attendant pieces of death. So that's Genesis 3. Now, the next couple chapters are all about what death looks like. So chapter 4 is the first murder. Chapter 5 is a, it's a genealogy, but it's not a normal genealogy. Normal genealogy just says this person was the father of this person. He was the father of that guy and he was the father of that guy and so on. This genealogy says... This person had a son, and this son lived to such and such age, and then he died. And then this, this son lived to this age, and he died. And this son lived to this, and he died. And he, if you go through Genesis 5, you highlight every time you see the phrase, he died. This is what it looks like. You think you can get the point of that chapter? He died, he died, he died. This is death ravaging the human race. And not only did death ravage the human race, but so did evil. Things got worse and worse really, really, really fast. And by chapter 6, the human race just hit bottom. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, that every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. Like, that's as bad as it can get. And this is just Genesis 6. So if you were to chart out a graph of the level of goodness in the world, it starts out with total goodness, right? And then there's sin. And then after sin, if you chart the graph, here's what it looks like. I mean, she's bonked down all the way to the bottom. And then and you get to Genesis 6 and it's as bad as it can get. And so God has to bring judgment on the entire human race. And so he sends a flood and everybody dies except for one family, the one righteous family left, Noah and his family. And after the flood, God made a promise. I will never allow humanity to get that bad again to where I have to wipe it out like that again. He'll never. He had to. He let it happen once. 
so that we could understand how severe our depravity as human beings really is. This is how bad we are. God wanted us to understand the human condition is so dire that unless he does something to preserve us, to slow down our sinfulness, then the entire human race will go from perfect innocence to absolute depravity and, and, and sinfulness in two chapters. And so God let it happen once so we could see that, and then he promised, I'll never let it happen again. I'll never let the human race ruin itself so severely that it has to be destroyed with a flood again. And, and what's the symbol that God connected to that promise? A rainbow. Genesis 9.15. God says, from now on, whenever it rains, you're going to look up, you'll see a rainbow. And that's a symbol of this promise that I will preserve the human race from ever dropping down into total wickedness ever again. Well, how are you going to do that, God? What's your method? How, what method is going to, God going to use to keep mankind from becoming so evil? Would he just like strike people dead whenever they cross a certain threshold of evil? Or if an evil man married an evil woman, he'd make it so they could never have kids? Or you know, I mean, How is he going to do this to keep evil from getting really bad? What was God's plan? Well, you can see what his plan is by what the very next thing that happens in the Bible, which is, takes up the rest of Genesis, and that is he creates for himself a special people, the Jews. He calls this guy by the name of Abraham and he, he, he makes a promise. He says, your offspring are they going to become a whole nation of people and they will be my special people. God would reveal himself to mankind through this special people and they would serve as lights in the darkness in this world to keep the world from ever becoming totally dark again. The people of God would be a preserving influence. Isaiah 49.6, I will also make you, Israel, a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So Israel would bring salvation to the whole world. So that's, that's part one of God's plan to fix what's broken in the universe. He's, that's part one, the special people. Now, anyone could become one of God's special people. All you had to do was become a Jew. So part of the Old Testament law is devoted to all of the regulations and laws uh, that describing how one becomes a Jew. Uh, so that you could join the number of God's holy people. Circumcision was part of that regulation. But what about when God's holy people aren't so holy and they, they sin, they commit sins? Well, that's the next part of God's plan, which was to make a special provision for sin. God came up with a way that all the sins of his people could be forgiven and wiped out forever. He didn't give the full details in, in the Old Testament, but he did provide a system that illustrated the basic idea. And that was the system of offering sacrifices, animal sacrifices in the temple. Those sacrifices didn't actually pay for anybody's sin, but they served as illustrations or pictures of the thing that really would pay for sin, namely Jesus' death on the cross, which would come in the future. So a major portion of the Old Testament is devoted to spelling out all these regulations for how to offer the sacrifices so they could get the picture. That was part two of God's plan. Part uh, So part one, a people. Part two, a provision. And the third, one more piece, a promise. A promise. The farther you read in the Old Testament, the more it becomes evident that the general population of Israel isn't going to get this done. They're not going to, they're, the Israel, they're not going to bring salvation to the whole world. This is not happening. But when you read through the prophets, you start to figure out that it's going to happen through Israel, but not through the general population. The way it's going to happen is Israel is going to produce a Messiah, and the Messiah would then bring salvation to the whole world. The Messiah would be the fulfillment of everything the Jewish nation was supposed to be. And 
he would also be the fulfillment of the whole sacrificial system. He would be punished for our sins in our place and he would die and rise from the dead. So, so that's the Old Testament. That's the message of the Old Testament. The problem is sin and the curse. The solution, God's three-part plan, a people, a provision, and a promise. That covers basically the Old Testament. The rest of it is all just about the moral law, how to live as God's people. So don't commit adultery, don't murder, and, and don't lie, and love God with all your heart, and love your neighbors, yourself, and all the rest. Okay, so that's the message of the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? What's the message of the New Testament? The New Testament is the story of the Messiah accomplishing everything that the Old Testament said that the Messiah would accomplish. It's the story of how Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial system by dying on the cross and how he fulfilled the purpose of Israel by bringing salvation to the whole world. He was the fulfillment of what Israel was supposed to do. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. So now the, the people of God will include Gentiles, not just Jews. So in the era of the Messiah, the new people of God will not just be Jews, they'll be also Gentiles. So the new people of God won't be an ethnic grouping like it was in the Old Testament. It'll be a people from every nation, infiltrated into every nation, scattered all over the world. And so the Messiah will ultimately bring human history to its final culmination, judge all mankind, reverse the curse, eliminate evil forever, and create a new earth where his people, his special people, will live with him in paradise for eternity. That's the message of the New Testament. All of that is the unfolding of the promise of the rainbow. So now you have an overview of the whole Bible. Here's the thing. When Jesus Christ comes back and he eradicates all evil and makes everything good and gets rid of the curse and all that. Everyone who's not righteous in God's eyes will be sent to hell and punished for their sins forever. But the holy people of God, his chosen people, the righteous ones, will live forever with him in glorious, everlasting joy. So the huge $64,000 question is this. In our time... In the age of the Messiah, how does one go about becoming one of God's holy people? When humanity is divided into the evil ones and the good ones and the evil is all done away with, how can you make sure that you're on the right side of that deal? How is one included in the new people of God, the spiritual Israel? In the Old Testament, if you want to be included in the people of God, you get circumcised, start observing the Sabbath, follow the dietary kosher rules and all that. You follow all the aspects of the law that were focused on being Jewish. But what about now? What about now? Because it's important to understand, Jesus did not introduce a new religion. You understand that? He did not come and found a new religion. He didn't cancel Judaism. He came to bring about the fulfillment of biblical Judaism, the final phases of God's plan to fix what's broken. So if this, if this, what Jesus created, if this is the fulfillment of Judaism, then who are the people of God now? We'll be answering that question in the upcoming episodes as we go through Philippians 3. But for now, let me give you the summarized answer. The way a person joins the ranks of God's people now is not with an ethnic identity, like becoming a Jew, but by a spiritual identity, becoming a member of spiritual Israel. You must have all your sins forgiven and be adopted into God's family as his son or daughter. And the way all that happens is very simple. One word, faith. You must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith has two parts, belief and trust. You believe information, you trust a person. 
The information you must believe is God's Word. You must believe the Bible more than you believe your own ideas or anything else. The other part is trust. Instead of relying on your own efforts to be a good person, to make you right with God, you rely on what Jesus did for you when he died in your place on the cross, taking your sins on himself and giving you his perfect righteousness. You put all your confidence in that instead of in your own efforts. On top of that, you trust him enough to follow him. You trust him more than you trust yourself. So if he says, this is the best way to live, this is the path to, a, to happiness and, and fulfillment and joy, this is the right way to go, and you, to you it seems like, wow, this other path would be better. This other path would make me happy. You, if that, when that happens, you trust what he says more than you trust your own instincts. That's faith. Believe what God has said in his word and trust him more than you trust yourself. Trust him enough to follow him. Do that, and he will adopt you into his family and forgive all your sins and separate your guilt from you as far as the East is from the West. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've already done that, you already have faith, then here's my message for you today. We are the people of God who function as the body of the Messiah who is going to bring about the full, final culmination of all things. We are those who know Christ. Real, just realize that. So if you think that your, your life is insignificant or small, think again. Think of the big picture of the message of the entire Bible. If you know Christ, you are a major player in the final phases of God's glorious plan to bring all of human history and redemptive history to its final con- culmination. You. Everything else in your life is tiny compared to that. Have you had some disappointment lately? Or have you had some loss or some other? That's tiny compared to being one of God's holy people that he's going to use, the Messiah is going to use in the final phases of God's awesome plan. I just, I just want to urge you, this week, once or twice this week, just t- stop and spend enough time thinking about your place in, God, in, the, in God's big picture and his huge plan. And keep thinking about it until the relative importance of all your troubles and, 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 and problems in life fades away and you are encouraged in the world. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.